you got it, say so. And it says, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a good bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its, <clears throat> by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather, gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Lord, thank you so very much for this day, for the opportunity that we have to gather together to worship you and Lord, we just pray that your spirit would be present in this day and that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, remove every distraction from our mind and may you be glorified in these next few moments that we are together. May we hear from you clearly, God, and we praise you and we give you praise and glory for this. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure uh, to get you an outline. We want to be sure that you're able to follow along in the introduction of the sermon, that you're able to take some notes, and that you are able to um, answer the questions that are in there that are really important, right, for us to be able to uh, think about introspectively and look at what God is trying to communicate to us. And so this is obviously the last Sunday of the year. I'm glad you made it out to worship the Lord. Um, I posted this morning, finishing strong, right? That we are finishing strong, worshiping the strongest Savior that there is. Amen? I'm giving him glory, and so it's beautiful to be in the house of the Lord together. We're going to talk today as we look at moving into the new year about clear vision. And I think one of the coolest things, my daughter actually graduates in 2020, right? That's, you know, you can't, you can't do that. Right? That just happens like once every whatever, never. Um, but nonetheless, you know, 2020 vision, right? Clear vision. And so as we were sitting down and as we were going through the book of Luke, and I hope that you were able to sit down with your family and go through the book of Luke uh, from the beginning of December, walking all the way up to Christmas Eve. It was a really cool time for us as a family. We didn't make every single day, but on the days that we were able to gather together and, you know, hear the different insights and read together and pray together is really encouraging. And I, on day six, as we were in um, the gospel of Luke, as we read through this immediately this scripture just jumped out at me right like this is what I wanted to share uh, for the end of the year looking forward to this new year and so the scriptures if you look at your outline here the scriptures are filled with verses on visions or revelation from God uh, one of my favorite verses and some of you may know this verse at least this first part of it is Proverbs 28 19 and it says this and I want to read a couple of different versions so you can kind of get the idea of what the writer in the book of Proverbs is communicating and it says this it says where 
where there is no vision, people perish, right? That's probably the one that we know, right? Where there's no vision, people perish. That's the King James Version of it. I particularly read the New King James Version. That's the version I like. And so it says this, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. And then if you go to the English Standard Version, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, right? Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And I like that idea when you think about the casting off restraint because when you look up that definition, it kind of gives the idea or the picture of someone who is taking their seatbelt off, right? Someone who is not buckled in, somebody who is not in a place where they need to be, where they're not prepared. But I like the way that the New, Literal, the New Living Translation says it. It says, where people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Where people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. That sounds like our nation a little bit, would you not say? Yeah? Right? Like they don't want to hear what God has to say, so people run wild. They do whatever they like. And then I love the Young, Young's literal translation. Without a vision, a people is made naked. Hello. Without a vision, a people is made naked, right? Like nobody would walk around naked, right? Like I don't know about you. Have you ever? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but if you've ever had that, had a dream, right? I've had this dream. Um, you know, I remember being a kid. I used to have a dream that I was like somewhere, and I was just in my underwear for no reason. I'm like, what is going on here? Like I'm literally in a public place, and it's. I would never do that. It was the worst thing, and I didn't understand why I was in my underwear. And this is, you know, I'm like, what is going on? Nonetheless, nobody would ever do that in their right mind. Hello. Right? Nobody. And so the, the picture is where there is no prophetic revelation. That's really the idea. That's what it means, vision. Where there is no vision. Where there is no prophetic direction from God. The people cast off restraint. The people run wild. The people are made naked. They are unprotected is what it's saying. They're in a bad place. They're in a place where death can occur, where destruction can occur. And the end of that verse goes on to say, but happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is he who keeps the law. Why is that so important? Because a lot of times when we think about where there is no vision, the people perish, or where there's no prophetic revelation, we're thinking that God has to come, like, walk in the room and give us some word every day or something like that. Well, you want to know what? He has given us a word every day. If we're in his word every day, we have prophetic revelation. We have prophetic utterance. We have direction from the Lord, and that's what we want to have. We want to have God's direction because we will experience his blessing in our lives if we are walking with the vision. And so here's the thing. As we come to the end of this year and look ahead, it is my prayer that we can do so with a clear vision that we can do so with a clear vision, that we can look back at 2019 and say, you know what, there's some things that I've accomplished and I'm praise the Lord for that, right? There's other things I didn't accomplish that I wish I would have accomplished, right? I'm on, I'm on that same boat with everyone else, right? Like there's some things that I hit on, on all cylinders. It was amazing. There's some things that shocked me. I was amazed that things happened, right? And, and so there's other things that were discouraging, but that's just how life is, right? I always, I'm always encouraged as we think about the new year, right? Because it's like an automatic, restart that we get right in so many different areas we get to restart right we get to reset some goals we get to do that and so my hope is that we can do that with clear vision that we cannot look back and just be discouraged or dismayed or frustrated but that we can look back and say well praise God for the for the victories that were there praise God for the things that happened that were good right and we can look at those areas and be and be able to rejoice in the Lord but more than anything clear our minds of those things that would hinder us and so I want you to think about this this morning inhibited vision subjects us to unnecessary struggles and potential setbacks. 
Inhibited vision subjects us to unnecessary struggles and potential setbacks. When you cannot see clearly, you are going to struggle in ways that you wouldn't if you could see clearly. Are you here? If you, if you can see clearly, right, there, there, there's not going to be these same types of struggle. Listen, we're going to struggle, but here's the thing for me. Like, I want to struggle where there's no other option. Are you here? I don't want to struggle because it's my fault. I don't, want to, I don't want to struggle with things that I don't have to struggle with. I don't want to have to go through things. I don't want to see setbacks in my life that are there simply because I wasn't listening to what God was saying. Simply because I wasn't paying attention to what God's word is communicating. Simply because I wasn't in alignment with what God was saying to me, saying to his church. I don't want to experience any of that. And when we talk about having vision, clear vision, it is about us removing those things from our eyes that are hidden hindering us from moving forward. And so again, I'll say it, inhibited vision subjects us to unnecessary struggles and potential setbacks. And so the first thing is kind of a question. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, are you blinded? Are you blinded? Look at verse 39 in this verse here in Luke chapter 6. It says this, and he spoke a parable to them. And so Jesus, just so you know, you can have a little bit of context here. Jesus is communicating in this particular portion of scripture. And some people believe one of two things. Either A, this is a repetition of the Sermon on the Mount, which we find in the book of Matthew chapter 5. And it's, and it's Luke giving his breakdown of that. Or it is Jesus telling the same preaching, same teaching to another group at a different time. Either way, Jesus is communicating some things that should be our attitude, some mindsets that we should have. He speaks to us about the, the blessings of, uh, of the poor and telling them that theirs is the kingdom of God. He tells them, woe to you who are rich, right, for you will receive your consolation. He goes through all of this, talks about loving your enemies, right? He teaches on all of this, and then he comes to this portion here. Just skip back a little bit to verse 37. In verse 37, it says, judge not. And you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so what is Jesus communicating here? Jesus is saying on one side, don't be judging people. Because the way you judge people, the harshness with which you judge others, you'll be judged too. Don't condemn other people because the same way you condemn others, that same condemnation is coming back to you. What he says is forgive others, right? Because when you forgive others, guess what comes back to you? Forgiveness. When you offer this mercy, when you give, right? You shouldn't do it as a stingy Scrooge. Hello, somebody. Right? You shouldn't give, you know, with a doubting and, 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 you know, unhopeful heart. You should give abundantly, right? That's how you should give. You should be that giver that gives measuring, saying, man, I want to bless whoever. I want to be a blessing to the kingdom. Like, that's what I, I want to be that kind of person. Why? Because check it out. The same way you give is the same way you get. Hello. And so Jesus is speaking about judgment, and then he comes down to culminate all of this, and he gives us this parable, looking at verse 39 now. He says, and he spoke a parable to them, and he said this, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? <laughs> a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples, communicating to them how they should be living. 
And the, and the thing that he comes out and says, he's like, listen, wait a second. If you're blind, you can't lead other people, right? Imagine that, right? The video that we had that we weren't able to see, the video was, was literally, it was people with a blindfold on that were walking. And as they were walking, they walked into, they, they walked into um, you know, into fences. They walked into signs. They walked, I mean, they tripped. It was, it was hilarious. We all would have been laughing, I promise you, right? You know, and, 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 and we've seen, like, people that are blind in our lives, right? Have we not? People who are blinded, people who don't see. And when we look at the scriptures, right, the scripture speaks of blindness, right? The scripture speaks of both natural blindness, and it also speaks of spiritual blindness. We know that Jesus healed plenty of blind people, did he not? He healed blind people that were physically blind. But also, on the other side of this, we see that the scriptures speak about spiritual blindness, right? The scriptures speak about spiritual blindness, those who are blinded in their rebellion, right? When we went through the book of Romans, we saw when, G, when, when Paul was speaking about Israel being blinded in their rebellion, a partial blindness that came upon Israel so that way the Messiah could be crucified, so that way salvation could come to the world. But this was a blindness that was not because God just wanted them to be blind. They were blinded in their rebellion, we see the scripture speaking of those who have been blinded by the God of this age, those who have, have, have been blinded that when they open up God's word, they don't see clearly because what? Because they've been blinded by the God of this age. We also see those who Jesus is speaking to right now who have been blinded by their pride who have been blinded by their pride. In this particular context, it is not just blinded by pride in general, but it is religious pride. It is hypocritical pride. And here's something, being blind, now think about this, being blind and thinking you see is one of the greatest dilemmas we face as a people. Being blind but thinking you see, you know, there, there's one, I don't know about how many how many of you are Rocky fans, but I'm a, I'm a Rocky fan, right? Like I love, Alexis and I, we used to sit down and we do Rocky marathons, right? And we would watch all the movies and I want you to know that no matter how many times I see Rocky, I always cry. Hello, somebody. It's just an emotional type of movie. And there's one moment in the movie that in Rocky 2, and if you've seen it, you'll, you'll remember this scene, but Apollo, you know, wanted to, you know, Rocky wanted to fight Apollo again. But if you guys remember, Rocky in the fight with Apollo because Apollo was so devastating and so fast and Rocky was just this brute fighter, he kept putting his face in Apollo's hand. Hello. Instead of ducking or moving, he kept coming forward, being that he was a southpaw. And Apollo, anyway, too much information. Here we go. But Rocky comes up, and he's, and he's there talking to Mick outside of his door. And he's telling Mick, he's like, Mick, you got to train me. I want to fight this guy. And Mick's telling him, you can't see. And he's like, I can see just fine. He's like, you can't see anything. And then what does Mick do? Mick slaps him. Let's him know, man, if a pug like me can hit you, you can't see anything. This guy will destroy your face. And it's the truth, right? And so you know Rocky, Rocky too. Rocky won because what? He learned how to fight an opposite way. Bottom line is this. Rocky thought he could see. And if he would have went in that ring that way, he would have been destroyed. But what he did was he had somebody who coached him and who showed him what he couldn't see and taught him a different way so that way he could actually see reality and he could actually have a chance to win. And what I want you to know is that when Jesus is speaking to the to people that he's speaking to here, he's saying, wait a second, think about this. This is foolishness. A blind person cannot lead another blind person. No matter how well-intentioned they are, if you can't see what's going to happen, you're both going to end up in a detrimental situation. 
You're both going to end up wrecked. You're both going to end up messed up. And so if, here's the thing, church, if we want to see clearly, then we're going to have to do some things, right? We have to walk in the truth. So how do we know that we're walking in the truth? Well, number one, we need to be daily looking into God's word. So if you're taking notes, you should write that down. The way that we walk in truth is by daily looking into God's word. Why? Because the scripture says that God's word is a mirror that we look into. And so if I want to walk in the truth, then what do I need to do? I need to be in the mirror of God's word, making sure that my life is reflecting Christ, looking at ways that I can live more like him, looking at the truth of what the gospel says. I must be engaging God in prayer, not only reading God's word, but also engaging God in prayer. And it's funny because somebody asked a question and they said, hey, what is more important? Is being in God's word more important than being in prayer? And, and, and the person who responded to them said this, said, I, I don't remember who it was. It might have been like Charles Spurgeon or one of these people. He said, well, which one is more important, breathing out or breathing in? Neither is less important than the other. They're of equal importance. If you hold your breath too long, guess what you're going to do? If you don't want to breathe out or breathe in, you're going to die. And so it's the same thing, breathing in God's word, breathing out in prayer. You have to make sure that you are engaging both because the only way that you are going to walk in the truth and not be blinded by pride, not be blinded by arrogance or ignorance, hello somebody, the only way is by being there in God's word. Also listening to God's direction. One of the things that I remember one of, my, one of the people that spoke into my life when I was younger, uh, and he, he, we were talking about prayer, and the one thing that he encouraged me to do is he was like, man, you got to learn to just wait. Don't just run into God's presence and just lay down your list of prayer requests and go ahead and intercede and be powerful and then run up out of God's presence. He's like, you need to learn to just be still. When you're finished talking, be quiet because God might want to speak. God may want to communicate something to you directly. It may be in his word. It may be just that still, small voice. But we have to be waiting and listening. And listen, not just listen. Now, hear me now. It's not just listening for the five minutes, ten minutes, fit, whatever time you take to just be quiet before the Lord. No, 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 no. Listening throughout the day. Paying attention throughout the day. Is God speaking to you? Being available to God. Not filling your mind with so much garbage. You know, one of the things that's so important, I, I don't remember, this was years and years ago. Somebody made a point. The point was that people don't know how to be in silence. When people come home, they automatically turn on the music, turn on the TV. They do all this kind of stuff. They get in the car, turn on music, turn on the TV. They're never in silence. It's like they never want to be in solitude. But you know what? You're never going to hear God if you don't shut out all the other voices. And so you know what, sometimes it's like when I get in the car, turn the radio off. I'll tell you right now, one, one of the things, I mean, I love being in full-time ministry, but one of the things that I can tell you, some of the most powerful messages I got, you know where they were? They were driving in the car and the Holy Spirit in the vehicle with me and God just speaking to me, communicating with me, letting me know certain things just as we're communing together, riding together. And so the reality is what? Is that we need to be able to listen to God's direction. We need to follow God's leading. Don't just hear what God says. Church, it's very important that you understand. You want God to speak to you more? You need to obey what he says. Hear me. You want to know what God says? He who is faithful in little, God will give much. You know what that's talking about? That is talking about us being faithful with what we know God has communicated. And then you know what happens? When we are faithful with what he said, then he'll give us more. He'll communicate more. You know what the problem is with many of us? Many of us, God has spoken to us plenty right here in this word. We don't want to hear him here. We're like, God, speak to me. He's like, yeah, I'm trying. 
I'm trying. I'm trying to get through to you. I've sent you my word. I've given you. Happy is he who does what? Who obeys the law. Not just knows the law. Who obeys the law. That's what Proverbs 28, 19 says in the second part. Blessed is he who obeys the law of God. And so it's not just hearing God. It's not just knowing what God is saying. It's obeying what he is saying. And then what? You know what the, the result is? You won't walk in blindness. And you won't lead others astray or worse into destruction. Are you here? You see, because you are going to be a person that's going to lead people, whether you like it or not. And the question is, where are you going to lead them? Are you going to lead them into a ditch? Hello? See, and here's a question that we have to ask ourselves. We have to ask ourselves this question, and we have to be honest about this if we're going to deal with the blindness that may be in our hearts. We have to ask ourselves, who has our ear? Who has your ear? Who is it that you're listening to? Like, are you listening to people that just agree with you? A lot of us like that. We want, we want that echo chamber, right? We like the echo chamber. We like to talk about our problems and people to agree. Like, yes, what you're feeling is right. And, and you know, and we get caught up because we want to be part of the echo chamber because we want to be empathetic or sympathetic or something like that. But hold on a second. Church, can I tell you something? First and foremost, be sure you're not stuck in a little echo chamber of people just speaking to you and affirming what you're feeling. No, no, no. And let me tell you secondly, don't just be a person who's affirming what people are feeling. Don't just be that voice. Be that voice of truth that comes into the echo chamber and disrupts the noise for people's lives. Be, be what Jesus would be to some people, where Jesus would walk in and he may speak some words that weren't the softest words, weren't the kindest words, but they were filled with love and they were filled with truth. And they were what was going to bring deliverance. They were what was going to bring healing. They were what was going to bring change into people's lives. And so who has your ear? What, what voices are you listening to? Are you listening to those cultural voices that are there through the entertainment, right, through, through music and stuff like that? As I was thinking about this sermon, I thought about the kind of music I used to listen to right I used to listen to songs like sipping on gin and juice hello stoned is the way of the walk right and there's some songs that I can't even tell you the titles because you would kick me off the pulpit I would kick myself off the pulpit if I said some of the titles that were speaking about women and how they are to be degraded and treated in derogatory ways listen if that's the garbage you're listening to don't think you're any better than that stuff the fact of the matter is, if this is the way that you're listening, or this is what you're listening to, or what you're watching, or what you're engaging in, that's what is instructing you. That's what is directing you. That's what's showing you. This is how you live. This is the way you think. Wait a second. We're not supposed to conform to the pattern of this world, right? We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to think about who has our ear. Why? Because whoever has our ear, those are our teachers. Are you here? Whoever we're listening to, those are our instructors. And what did Jesus say? You won't be greater than your teacher. And so you can't expect, I love that it's old, I mean, it's probably as old as dirt, but garbage in, garbage out. It's just a fact. If you're putting garbage in, that's what's going to come out of your life. If you're putting garbage in, and garbage isn't just like the, the song, because some of you are like, I wouldn't listen to a song like that. Now, yeah, you're right, you wouldn't. But you may listen to some other crazy stuff. Hello. And it may not even be music. It may be just other things, other people, false teachers. There's plenty of those around the church. Are you here? We have to be aware of what we are listening to, what we are hearing, because we are never going to be greater than our teachers. The second thing I want to ask you is this. Say this with me. Say, what's in your eye? What's in your eye? The other day, Josiah, I was getting him dressed, and as we were getting dressed, he was, I think it was the first time he ever had an eyelash in his eye, and he was like so bothered by, the, I mean, I, you all know what an eyelash feels like in your eye, right? It's the worst feeling ever. Praise the Lord, we got the eyelash out. Glory to God, the day continued on. 
But the reality is this, is that Jesus goes on and he uses this hyperbole here. And he uses it to make, you know, Jesus does this sometimes, right? And the reason why is because he wants to shock his hearers or make them laugh and think about, wow, that would be crazy, right? And so what does he do? Let's look at verse 41 here. He says this. He says, why and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Right? So thinking about this picture that Jesus is painting for them, it's like, yo, you're over here trying to tell your brother about this eyelash right, that's in his eye, this thing that is so small that you can barely even see, and yet you got this block of wood in your eye. Hello. Right? Like, think about that. He uses this exaggeration in order to drive this point home. Right? So thinking about it, I mean, trying to imagine you can't see. Imagine me, I can't see, trying to, you know, I, I wear glasses, I wear contacts, and sometimes my wife's like, are you looking at my baby? Even if I was looking at you, I can't see you. Hello. Right? Because I'm, le- I'm like legitimately blind. Like, when I, when I don't have glasses on, like, I can't see anything. Right? It's terrible. I feel bad. I'm like, I need to get LASIK just so I can protect my family in case I get woken up in the middle of the night. Right? Like, just crazy. But, but, but anyway, right, I can't. I have issues. Right? So imagine me, no glasses. Right? Imagine me trying to help somebody. Now, think about how sensitive someone's eye is. Right? Like, you can literally poke someone's eye out, right? I mean, you can do some serious damage to someone, right? And imagine you're in there, like, you know, just, just, you know, poking away, and you got this block in your eye. You can't even see, and you're trying to fix them. You need to fix yourself. Hello? This is what Jesus' point is, right? You have this thing in your eye. And so Jesus uses this to do what? He's talking about, again, hypocritical judgment. What does hypocritical judgment do? Hypocritical judgment ignores your issues while trying to fix everyone else's. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You, you have issues going on. You have stuff that is blocking or inhibiting or impeding your vision, your ability to see clearly, and yet you're trying to tell everybody else about their business. You trying to tell everybody else to fix their stuff, but you got all kind of stuff that's messed up. Wait a second. That's not the way that we're supposed to live as followers of Christ. We're supposed to be walking in a certain level of righteousness. We can't see. When you can't see clearly, not only can you not really help others, but you can't move forward. Are you here? You get that? If you cannot see clearly, it's not just about helping other people. It's about you moving forward in your spiritual life. It's about you moving forward as a follower of Jesus. It's about you fulfilling God's purpose, God's will, and God's desire for your life. But when you got something in your eye, you can't move forward, much less help somebody else. And so here's what I want you to do for a moment. Just think for a moment. Look back on 2019, right? As you think back on 2019, think about this. What's hindered your focus from the Lord? What is it in 2019 that has hindered your focus from the Lord? I don't know what that is. It can be a bunch of different things. But just think about that. What has hindered you in your focus on the Lord? What has hindered you from focusing on your purpose? The thing that you know that God created you for. The thing that you know God has purpose for you in your life. What has hindered you from focusing on that thing, from accomplishing that thing, or walking in that thing that God has called you to walk in? What has hindered your focus from being a disciple maker? Look, there's one thing that's for sure. You may not be called to be a preacher. You may not understand every single single thing that may be in God's purpose for your life. You may see talents, gifts, but you're not sure. Let me assure you of one thing. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, you are called to be a disciple maker. Bottom line, you are called to be a disciple maker. 2019, what hindered you from focusing on being a disciple maker? 
What hindered you from being the disciple maker that God has called you to be? Whatever that hindrance is, it's time to address that. You have got to get, listen, we, you and I, have got to get our focus right in order to move into 2020 without distractions. What I want for you is what I want for myself. I want to move into 2020 without distractions. I want to move into 2020 without thoughts that are hindering me. I want to move into 2020 without feelings that are obstacles to me, being able to walk in the purpose and the will of God. I want to do that. But if I'm going to do that, I have to make sure that I have addressed whatever issues are going on that are hindering me from being able to move forward. And the question is this, are you willing Are you willing to deal and get rid of those obstacles? Are you willing to be honest? Are you willing to address those things? Are you willing to deal with whatever it is that is hindering you from moving forward? The third thing, say this with me, say inhibited vision is a hard issue. Inhibited vision is a hard issue. Depending on which Bible you have, your your Bible may break these verses up in a a different way than this way. And you may see verse 43 that it kind of just starts over into a new, um, you know, setting there. Remember the chapters, verses, the headings, those things were not there. And so there's no guarantee that's the way that it's supposed to break down. And one of my Bibles, it has it like that. Another Bible, it has these verses together. And the reason why it has the verses together is because of this. It is because vision is about a heart issue. So here's what I'm saying. When I'm asking you what's in your eye, I'm asking you what's in your heart. I'm not just asking you about something physical. That's not what Jesus was trying to get at. Y'all know that. Jesus was not about just what was happening physically. He was about what was going on in the heart. Jesus always went to the heart of the matter. And so what does he go on to say here in verse 43? He says this, it says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure in his, of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, his mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. His actions, right, the way that he lives, this is all coming from his heart. But specifically, Jesus talks about what? He talks about our hearts being exposed we must be honest with ourselves we must admit the blind spots in our lives the obstacles that blur our vision and the areas within that we must be that that must be corrected we have to be those people that are willing to do that then the lord can use us to help others the lord can use us to make disciples the way that he wills but we have to be willing to address those issues that are deep in our hearts. We have to be willing to come before the Lord and address those things that are hindering us from seeing clearly the way that God wants. See, one thing that I realize here, and I don't want to take a lot of time in this portion of the verse, but Jesus is making it clear. All this other stuff is a reflection of your heart. The way you're living, the way you're dealing with other people, the blindness that you have, the obstacles that you're facing, all of these things have to do with one thing, have to do with the issues of the heart. And so here's the thing. It's not just about changing things, because that's not what this is about. It's not just about changing things. It's, it's about a change of heart. Are you here? It's not just about changing stuff. It's not, listen, you, you, can, I, I, you, know, you can change whatever, right? You can change um, schools. You can change jobs. You can change addresses, zip codes. You can change all that kind of stuff. That never deals with your heart. Are you here? It never deals with you. Like, wherever you go, guess who goes with you? You. 
wherever you can't run from you, right? And you is going to show up wherever you go. And so it may be okay in the beginning, right, when you first get there. But guess what? After a while, you is going to pop up. You'll be like, man, this again. Yes, you again. Hello. <laughs> you know, we often think it's somebody else. It's, so, it's somebody else's issue. It's someone else's problem. For sure and to be sure, other people have problems. But I promise you, you do as well. I do as well. And so what I'm saying is, man, if we're going to go into 2020, let's go on ahead and let's deal with what we need to deal with. Let's lay down whatever we need to lay down. Let's trust the power of the gospel that does what? That liberates us, that when we put our faith in Christ, he doesn't just save us from our sins, but he is constantly working in us to deliver us from the strongholds of our sins, to deliver us from those things that are hindering us from seeing clearly. From, he's, he's constantly working with us in order to ensure that we're not walking in hypocrisy but that we're walking in the truth that we are called to walk in. That's what God wants us to do. And so that is my challenge. That is my encouragement today is that you and I will deal with whatever it is. And how do we do that? It's by acknowledging, by confessing whatever that sin is, whatever that issue is, whatever that blind area is, whatever that spot is that continues to trip you up. It is about confessing that before the Lord. It's about humbling yourself before God. And then you know what God does? God in exchange, he comes in and he begins to work in your heart. He begins to prune those things. He begins to remove those things. So that way what? So you can see clearly, you can move forward, and you can help others on the way. That's what he wants us to do. And so my closing question is this. Are you willing to address the areas where you've been blinded? Are you willing to address the areas where you've been blinded? Are you willing to be honest with the Lord? It's not about me. Maybe it is me. I don't know. Maybe I'm the obstacle. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe someone else is the obstacle. Maybe, maybe it's a situation that needs to be addressed in your life. I don't know. Maybe it's a sin that nobody knows about, that that thing is just there. It's glaring in your face, and you need to address it. Maybe you need to confess that to someone else to hold you accountable so that when you walk into 2020 and you're not overwhelmed by the obstacles that have hindered you in 2019. Church, I want you to move into a new dimension. I want you to move into another season. I want to move with you into that next place. But that's not going to happen if we're not willing to be honest. That's one of the values that we have in, in our church. You see that in Core Faith 101 is one of the values is honesty. If you want to get right with God, you got to be honest with God. If you want to be right with him, you got to be honest with him. And that's being honest with him, being honest with one another. And so today, again, the closing question is, are you willing to address the areas where you've been blinded? As the ushers come forward and we prepare for communion, I want you to think about that. Because as we get ready to partake of communion together, as we get ready to participate in this sacred moment, this is a beautiful moment for us to do what? To examine our hearts, to allow the Lord to show us where is it that I am in error? Where is it that I have been wrong? Where is it that I'm not aligned with you? Where is it that I need to come into alignment with your kingdom? And so I want, to, I want to just read this really quickly. The Apostle Paul says this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. I want you to notice he's writing to the church of Corinth. And he's telling them, I don't know if you heard that, their gatherings 
were not good for them. Their coming together was not positive because there were issues of sin that needed to be addressed. Most importantly, notice this. He is not talking simply about the elements of the bread and the wine, but he is speaking about our understanding, our treatment of one another. That's what he goes on to say. That's what he communicates here. So look what he goes on to say. He says, for there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I do not praise you. He goes on to say, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. And so what does Paul do? Paul says, examine your heart. Examine your heart. Right now, close your eyes where you are, please. Just bow your heads. Just examine your heart.